Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Tommy McIntyre. Tommy, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Paul. It's, it's a pleasure to be invited. Really looking forward to our discussions. We're in the confines of the Jimmy Johnson Academy, Cathkin Park, and this is a, a real TARDIS of football memorabilia, first and foremost. What's oh, your thoughts? It's incredible. It's amazing. I know, I know that uh, Jim had spoken to it before, and... and but really, I don't think you can describe it. I think you really need to witness it for yourself to realise the history. And you feel really humble coming in here and even just being a football player and being a coach and the great people that have gone before you and, you know, in recognition of really special talents. And I mean top, top talents. Uh, it's incredible. You know, someone like yourself with a passion for uh, youth development in Scottish football and you look around the, the legendary figures that are on the walls and, you know, through your discussion, hopefully, Tommy, we'll get a sense of whether or not you think we can still be at the forefront of Scottish football, um, world football in terms of developing players. You've played with some greats, you've developed some some greats. Um, and I'm always interested in your kind of early career because obviously your manager at that time was one of the best in Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. He's, he, I think he's, he's certainly mellowed. I was kind of privy to the hairdryer treatment uh, on many occasions. And when I broke into the first team at Aberdeen, um, first thing he did was when you came in at half time, was looking the floor and don't catch the manager's eye because he certainly made it known to you if, in no uncertain terms how well you'd done. Um, but but not just that, it goes back to the time and, and, and the energy he spent on looking at youth players, looking at young teams, going to games. Um, and he would always be there and 
even when you played in games wherever it was up and down the country whether you seen him he always had that presence that you knew he was there um, and that for me is testament to his early years as being a top top manager it's kind of what doctor that you see is just incredible you know in football as a fan sometimes you take for granted the fact that a young player like yourself is moving up to Aberdeen from Motherwell for example um, and I, you don't even think about you know how you're feeling on an emotional level and what the club does to help you along the way I mean how difficult is that at that age I think I think we are much more resilient then I think you uh, once you turn 16 or that that's it you take on and get a job and uh, you, take, you take on your life and you were and effectively a man you need to grow up quickly I think it's a little bit different now in terms of circumstances now and I understand that but in those days uh, once you went out and worked that was it you you never had uh, if you had a problem you'd go and see the manager if you if you never did say to your dad dad can you go and speak to the manager for me or that you know you had to deal with your own problems so you grew up pretty fast and, and I came from an area in mother where it was quite tough um, but you learned you know you learned to, to kind of solve your own problems and even as a young player going up to Aberdeen yeah it was a daunting because it seemed like it was like days away to Aberdeen um, but going there you were kind of I was I was put up in digs with Drew Jarvie Drew Jarvie did, and you were well looked after and it was nice areas and there was good food and the training was incredible um, even the players at that time in Aberdeen John Hewitt Neil Cooper Eric Blacks uh, Neil Simpsons they, all, they were all in the same academy slightly older than me but you could see that the real uh, depth of talent at Aberdeen in those those days, and uh, you could see that with the first team as well. And even when I went for a trial with Aberdeen, uh, I was invited over to Holland to play in a tournament, and I was the kind of new kid on the block. And um, the standard of football was 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 unbelievable. We went over to Holland, we beat Ajax, uh, we beat PSV, we beat these teams quite com- comfortably. And then coming back, and it was the first time I'd been on a plane. There you go, 16 years of age, first time on a plane. And I get to, uh, I get back to Aberdeen, and Sir Alec wouldn't let me go back down to Glasgow again, or back down to Motherwell because I hadn't signed a contract. And he says, "You're not leaving until you sign a contract," which I duly did. So, <laughs> <laughs> again, when I look back, and I'm always going back to the, you know, the 60s and 70s eras for a Celtic fan the Lisbon Lions the Quality Street Gang but it wasn't just Celtic who were producing that level of talent and then you look at what Alex Ferguson was doing at Aberdeen you know and he later done it at Manchester United as well Tommy did you realise that there was a bit of a um, a batch coming through at Aberdeen I mean obviously they had competed in, in Europe we'll get to that in a wee second they'd competed in Europe there was this creation of the, the new form almost to challenge Celtic and Rangers and you were part of that yeah Listen, in Scotland there was a depth of talent. There, there was, there was so many things. There was school football. You, you were out in the streets playing every time you got home. So, so it was a different environment now. Now you've got to try and create the environment for young young players to develop. Whereas you you created your own environment in the younger days. You were never, you were never. Uh, you'd get pulled in at night because you'd get to your bed, or eat a supper, because you'd be up for school the next day. So you're always playing. You'd go to school. You'd play at school. You were multi-sports uh, uh, PE at school. So in terms of that environment, it was always there. Um, and as I said, there was a depth of talent in Scotland. You had the, the kind of the new firm that Aberdeen and D United. D United also had a good, um, a good academy then. And Sir Alec always had this thing about um, he wanted to be, the, to be the best, and particularly 
when you went down to Glasgow because that was where all the all the big hitters were and all the good young players. Um, and he always wanted to conquer that. And so, you know, for us as young players, being brought up in that environment, it, it just, everything was about development. It was about getting young players in the first team. And no matter what age you were, if you were good enough, then Sir Alec would give you an opportunity to play in the first team. What age were you when you got in? I was 17 when I got in. Uh, I played against Dundee uh, in a midweek game. Um, we drew 0-0 and then I played against Celtic on the Saturday. Um, Murdo McLeod, Danny McGrain played. Paki Bonner was in goals. Uh, we won 3-1. Um, but it was great. It was just a great occasion. Just the fact of playing. And I'd never experienced anything like that before. Even the Dundee game and then you go and play Celtic and the crowd and and, and, and the, the fans were just incredible. And um, so it was it was a kind of baptism of fire, really. But one, they always say the first game's your easiest game uh, when you get into the first team. The second game's the hardest game. Uh, but I've got to say that it was, uh, it was a real good learning curve for me. You know, when you look at, look back on your career and you look at the experience you had with uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, and I know it's it's maybe a bit of a an obvious question, but could you see elements of his managerial style and his ability that would lead you to believe he could achieve what he went on to achieve, Tommy? He was so focused. He he, he was so driven, um, and he he was a terrific man manager. You could see that. You could see that he had this aura about him, uh, even when he was in the building. Uh, were you frightened of him? Yeah, to a little bit, um, but not not enough to 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 accept it. You either sink or swim, you know. You either, um, you know, it was either fight or flight. So when things went against you, you either fight fight for it or you just you just disappear. Um, so you had to be really tough to stand up to you know the environment, but it certainly made you a better person. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm looking at that side as a as a younger player coming through a defender. And maybe looking at Willie Miller, Alex McLeish, Stuart McKimmy, um, as senior pros, how did they treat a youngster coming through? Did they put you under the wing, or was it just a case of you sitting and observing and seeing them working day to day, Tommy? No, they would, they would, they would advise you. They, they were, they, um, Alec, Willie, uh, Willie Miller was the best penalty box defender I'd ever seen. Big Alec was dominant in the air, so it was a real good balance. Um, Sir Alec had a real good balance in his team you know Gordon Strachan was up front Mark McGee up front Peter Weir uh, John Hewitt Eric Black and that you know they had a real depth of talent but they really did embrace you once you get into the first team they looked after you they, um, I remember one time at pre-season and I'm really keen as mustard because it's my second pre-season and I'm, and I'm, and I'm training with the first team and in the first day at that time, well, everything now is sports science and everyone's kind of looking at data. But that, that, that day, it was the first day you would just run and you would just run. You wouldn't see a ball for about two weeks. And in day one, I'm thinking, I'm really going to impress you. And I, I just went for it. Uh, it used to be at Seaton Park in uh, Aberdeen and it was like a 30-minute, 45-minute run. And uh, I just went for it. And, and I ran by um, I ran by Gordon Strachan and... Gordon Strachan went, whoa, whoa, what, what do you think you're doing? And I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm wanting. He said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, son, just stay in your lane, stay in your lane, just get back in there. Now it's early days yet. So that was it. So he gained a lot of bit of respect for the senior pros, but they were great to to offer advice. Now <clears throat> there might have been a couple of disappointments in that 
Aberdeen were getting to cup finals and although you were involved you didn't feature in a couple of them but you did come away with a Super Cup medal tell us a wee bit about that yeah we uh, obviously we winning the Cup Winners Cup um, uh, previously and then um, they get into the Super Cup final against the winners of the European Cup at the time so the winners of the European Cup was Hamburg and obviously Aberdeen had beaten Real Madrid and at that time so the season before <clears throat> I was in the first team and then I broke into the first team in the season of where they played the Super Cup game and uh, it got to the it got to the final it was, it was a home and away tie and Sir Alec called me and he says you'll be travelling with the squad um, which was great but then we go to the hotel I remember it was a hotel Kelpinski in, in Hamburg and we're sitting there and he calls me over and he said uh, just so you know uh, Wally took a bad knock on uh, Saturday against Partick Thistle and his, his ankle was ballooned I've never seen an ankle like this and he says look there's every chance he'll not make it just be ready you'll be playing in the game and I'm thinking right okay okay fine so it transpired that Wally played the game and it was incredible when you look at resilience now uh, young players uh, and Wally was a hard a hard man and the fact I couldn't believe that he made the game but anyway he made the game and, and they drew nothing each and then we went back to Petrodi and we won the game back at Petrodi so I was on the bench and I managed to get a Super Cup uh, winner's medal which sits in the house somewhere that's fabulous <clears throat> we're talking about the strength of that Aberdeen side you played with but you move on to a Hibs team and that was a right good Hibs team as well strong side you played with some great players and obviously you eventually got your success in the League Cup final Tommy but talk to us about the, the makeup of that team and the, and the great players you played with Hibs yeah, well, there was a a real blend of youth and experience. When I first went there, John Collins was was still there, Paul Kane, um, you know, Gordon Ray, season pros. Big Ruffy was there. Big Ruffy was a goalkeeper, uh, trying to obviously in his wisdom trying to tell me how to live in Edinburgh when I went there. Um, so it was it was a, a blend of youth and, and, and experience as well. And we then brought in players like Stevie Archibald came in, uh, Murdo McLeod came in. And these guys came from top clubs. Stevie came from Barcelona. Uh, Murdo came from Borussia Dortmund. And you're thinking to yourself, well, tell you what, 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 a, what a sign in that is to get players of that stature for these clubs. But again, Murdo came in as, as a player assistant manager as well. <clears throat> and they were just, you could see that Stevie Archibald was class. You could see that. You could see uh, Murdo was class as well. You know, Murdo was incredible for, for the club when he first came. So we started to build a really strong side. Um, there was like Graham Mitchell played, uh, Gordon Hunter with a good partnership. So I always think everyone's about partnerships. I was at the back with Gordon Hunter, Willie Miller right back, John Burridge, exper- experienced goalkeeper. Had so many clubs, I don't I don't know. But anyway, real experienced goalkeeper as well. You know, Gareth Evans, uh, Brian Hamilton, Pat McGinley uh, as well. You know, so a lot of good pros, season pros. And, he, and Alec got us in a way of playing. We were really difficult to beat. Um, <clears throat> and you always need a little bit of luck in, in cup finals as well. But probably the big the big cup final for us was the semi-final against Rangers at Hamden. We were against all odds. We won one nothing. Um, Keith Wright scores the goal. So they take you into the final against them firmly. And, and I know you still get to beat whoever it is you, you meet in the final and stuff like that. But it was still... Uh, it was an incredible moment for the club because I don't know if you remember, but... Shortly before that, there was the, the talk about the demise of the club and about the sharing my hearts and that. There was chaos. Um, so to, to kind of, at that time, to bring a bit of life back into the club and for the fans and that, it was a great fan base. It was just a great uh, feel-good story for everyone. You know, at that time, 
obviously <coughs> we've got a, a special interest in Celtic. When you're coming up against Celtic sides, both for Aberdeen and Hibs, who were your trickiest opponents? What players did you not relish the task of playing against, Tommy? Probably <coughs> Charlie Nicholas was, was, was top drawer. Charlie... I played against Charlie when he was at Celtic. I played against Charlie when he was at Aberdeen as well. Uh, Charlie was just a magnificent footballer. Paul McStay. You know when you go and play Celtic and Rangers, you know, there's, there's, there's just loaded with internationals and talented players. But you always felt you're a cause. You always felt that... Um, that if you were organised and a little bit of luck as well, you could you could get a result as well. Um, and it, for some reason, it kind of—I'm not saying you, you always try that wee bit harder because I always I always thought I would try no matter what game I played in. That that was what you got. What you seen is what I got. But um, Charlie Nicholas at Rangers, uh, Mark Cately was always a kind of tough opponent. But I quite enjoyed playing against Mark Cately because he was a big, he was a big tall striker. He was physical, and I liked the physicality. I wasn't so sure about the, the small players that were really quick run about your feet and stuff like that, but I preferred somebody you could get a hold of and somebody you could kind of make contact with. So it never, it never mattered who you played against. You always knew you were against a tough opponent when you played Celtic and Rangers. And then another feature is um, when I think of the Aberdeen sides and some of the young guys that came through and Joe Miller, David Robertson, brilliant players. You go to Hibs, you've already mentioned John Collins, Paul Kane, Mickey Weir. Great talent coming through the ranks when did you yourself at what age are you when you start thinking you know I, I could maybe be a coach I could maybe develop the youth within Scottish football so I was at Hibs when I was 26 years of age and I spoke to Alec Miller who was uh, on the coaching staff uh, at the Scottish FA and he said to me well what do you want to do and I thought well, I, I actually quite like I like seeing young players coming through. I like seeing the where you get the, you know, the honour of developing a kid, uh, and whether they come through or they don't. But you get to work with them and you give them, you impart your knowledge on them and and uh, what you've learned over the years, and you can put a little bit back into the game, develop young players, see them come through. If you can make them realise that dream, then so I was so I was twenty six. And I decided to go down and do my coaching badges. Um, so I did them, and as I say, I had the A licence when I, when I was 26. And probably one of the youngest ones to have an A licence, because I did my licence with like, so Gordon Strack and Mark McGee, uh, guys like that. Um, and it was something I thought, well, you know, I like doing it. What am I doing during the summer? It's a close season. I'll just put a little bit back in. I'll, I can at least I'm doing a bit of training as well. It would serve me when I start back. So I did that. So I started at 26 years of age, and uh, I just started doing my badges. Uh, I got them, and then the more I get involved, I started to take an interest in youth development. Uh, I started to look at how how young players, you know, what makes them the the, the Jimmy Johnson sort of thing. You know, from a really young age, what, what do they need to go through to get to that level? And I started to kind of study youth development, and that's what gave me the kind of buzz to to get into coaching. Mm-hmm. You spent some time once you hung up your boots with the SFA, um, and were you in a position at that stage, Tommy, where it would have taken a really good offer to prize you away from the role that you had with the SFA? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, that's what happened. Um, I was really comfortable with the SFA. I, I first went in as head of youth. Um, I get headhunted. Um, I was working with North Lancashire at the time. I went in as head of youth. I then went from there to head of coaching education. And then I went to um, assistant technical director. So but along with that, I was working with um, Billy Stark, uh, Archie Knox, um, Walter Smith. Um, you know, uh, so I was working with them as well in terms. I was doing a bit of scouting for the for the national team. I was I was also uh, taking under 19 Scotland under 19s, and uh, I, I really enjoyed the I really enjoyed the kind of interaction with young players. But it wasn't enough because I was only doing it periodically, uh, and then I got a phone call from Celtic. Um, Chris McCarr at Celtic phoned me and he says, "How do you feel about?" coming into Celtic to work to head up the top end of the academy uh, and I thought about it and, and I thought well do you know I'm I'm in a really good job now it's secure but I really miss the kind of day to day involvement of working with young players and working at a senior club um, and I thought to myself you know it might be the wrong decision it might be the right, the right decision but I wanted to be controlling my destiny I wanted to, to, to know that if I take it and if it doesn't it work out then fine at least I know I've, I've, I've given him my best shot if I don't take it and then three four years down the line I see someone else in the role and I'm thinking that could have been me so that was the reason why I decided to to, to take the, the job at Celtic and I remember it really clearly uh, Chris invited me in to a meeting with Peter Lowell and if you, if you get into Celtic Park there's there's a room I think they call it a Dermot Desmond room in the, just in the right hand side just before you get into the boardroom um, and it's all it's kind of plush so I get invited in there, um, and I suppose this was my interview, and uh, and I, I went in there, and Peter came in, and the two has just sat there for about three hours, and we just chewed the fat over football, spoke about philosophies, uh, methodology, um, youth development, what my ideas would be, what, what how do I feel about working with young players at Celtic, what I could offer. And it just went in like that. It was like I'd been there for like 10 minutes, but it was like a three-hour conversation. And then after that, um, Celtic made me an offer uh, to head up the, the top end of the academy, take their 17s and 19s to oversee that. Uh, and it was at a transition period for Celtic um, because uh, Tommy Burns, God rest him, had passed away and Chris had been brought in. Uh, and I think it was a really good time to, to kind of reset and restart and look at how we can build something that was meaningful that would feed the first team um, and that was it that was the story that's how I ended up coming in You know when you look at the, the period that you were there and the managers that you've worked under and prior to that the managers you had already worked with you've, you've mentioned Walter Smith you've mentioned um, previous to that obviously Alex Ferguson so you go to Celtic when Tony Mowbray's the manager and you're there until Ange Postacoglu is in charge um, different techniques different approaches who do you think when you when you look back on your Celtic career? Who do you think you had the best kind of um, dynamic with? I, I think they all offer something. 
uh, completely different, which is is a great learning curve for me as a person. Uh, but I, I remember again just before I, I went to Celtic, I phoned Gordon Strachan up, and I suppose Gordon was a kind of final kind of button, press the button, and I said to Gordon, um, I've been invited into Celtic. What do you think? He says, hundred percent. He never even said, well, I think he says absolutely hundred percent." And for me, that was good enough, you know. So I thought, right, I'll go. So I've been lucky enough to to, to uh, work with so many managers, uh, and as I said, all different, all different styles. Um, I've I've picked up something from from everyone. Um, I've got to say, Brendan brought something really different. It was different, um, different gravy for Brendan, um, and I, I spoke to Brendan maybe about. Five months ago, I went down to Leicester City. Uh, he invited me down for three days, and and funny enough, he spoke about his time at Celtic, and he spoke about obviously the time he had when he left and how difficult it was. Uh, and I and I wasn't really wanting to get into that because that was a personal personal uh, period for for Brendan. But his time at Celtic, his attention to detail was incredible. You know, it was unbelievable. Uh, Neil Lennon was the same. Neil Lennon was just he been there, done it, get the t-shirt, everything Celtic through and through. A great mo- motivational uh, manager as well. Uh, Tony was was again coming in. Uh, not, not really much with Tony, but I know that Peter Grant was with Tony as well. I knew Peter really well. Uh, and then obviously Ronnie Dyler came in again. Different different setup and, and different 4-3-3. I like to play uh, uh, Lenny like 4-4-2. Uh, Brendan was more four two three one, but Brendan had a real knack of changing the shape during the game to win the game. He knew how to win games, Brendan, uh, and he knew his players, and he knew what to get out his players, and he knew how to develop players as well. Uh, and Ange was the same. Ange came in and completely revolutionised the club at a time that really needed to kind of kick on. Uh, and you know, a big thing would have been the recruitment um, because. The recruitment for Ange was incredible. When you look at now, you look at now the first team, but also what they've got in reserve is just such a powerful tool to have and, and the credit to him, he's, he's, he's responsible for that. You know, when you're talking about different styles and approaches, even formations, um, I often think, well, you know, the youth players that are coming through might have to adapt, or yourself in your position, you need to have, maybe adapt to whoever the manager is. Is there any way to avoid that? How can there be um, a period where there's a Celtic style, there's a Celtic shape, and it goes through maybe from the young the youngsters right through the B team up to the first team? For a period of time, Tommy, without it changing just because yeah. the manager changes. See, that, that was always the case for me at Celtic. There was never a... That the first team played a different way to academy. There was, there was always talk about the Celtic way, playing the Celtic way. And that's exactly what they did. So when the when the manager came in and the manager wanted this this system of play, this is how we're going to play, that would permeate all the way down to the kids, down to the junior academy. And I was even lucky enough to to, to work with some fantastic coaches, John Kennedy, Damien Duff, Sean Maloney, you know, all these guys uh, have proven to be top, top draw as well. So it wasn't just about the working with the young players, it was the fantastic staff we had and how strong the staff were. But every time, everyone was, the amount of information that they would share, because it was very open when I was a coach in there, it wasn't a case of, well, you know, you, you can't really speak to the first team. Or, they would be, you could go and shut the door 
and get into Brendan's office and he would sit and speak to you. You know, he would, he would make he would make you feel really special and he would make probably the the chef feel really special, part of the bigger picture and everybody was valued and everybody had this one ambition and that was to be a really successful team. And for me, it was always about bringing young players f- through from the academy into the first team. And that was always a kind of special moment for me. I remember young Jack Aitchison uh, made his debut and his first touch he scored at Celtic Park against the Motherwell, I think it was. And I was sitting there and his mum and dad are beside me and all that and I'm thinking, you know, what a fantastic time to see that, to see the product, to see how proud the parents were. So for me, that was a golden ticket. Must be so satisfying for you. I mean, as a fan, again, we're very fickle, we're very demanding, you want to win every single game. How difficult is it at a club like Celtic to have those demands, but also to bleed in the youngsters as well? Because sometimes you think, when's a good time for that? Because you've still got to win the games. Is that, a, is that a massive challenge for you? Yeah, I always used to say, um, you know, results are not that important until you lose, sort of thing, you know. <laughs> I remember that. Peter would, Peter would come and say, oh, hi, how come you lost to Rangers that day or something like that? You know, he would start questioning. Everybody would say that. The, and it's right, the results, the, the only important result is really the first team result because the first team's result driven. But a club like Celtic, it's not a dirty word to win. You need to learn to win because you're going to be in cup finals. You, you expect to win cup finals. You expect to win leagues. You know, you expect to win trophies, you know, and that in itself is a... And there was a, a driven, there was a, a internal, you know, this, this, I don't know what it was, this kind of passion to... I always used to think if you performed well and you got it right on the pitch, you'd win most games anyway. You, you know, you didn't... Winning would take care of itself. As long as you uh, could instruct the players could um, coach them, could um, develop them, so that, and you see that on the pitch, you, know, you even see it now, you look at, you go and watch Celtic young players, their B team the other day there, we played the other day there, they play exactly the same as the first team, and that's always been my philosophy when I've been at Celtic, but that that comes from the manager down, you know, and then everybody in the academy knows that, because they're good coaches, they know this is how we want to play, this is how we want, this is how when they get to the B team, and they go for the B team to the first team, they they don't look they're not it's not it's not alienated in that they know exactly this is the position you're in this is what you're asked to do this is how you play this is what you've been trained to play and that's why it's a seamless transition. Let's talk about some of the success stories. You've already mentioned Jack Aitchison, still the youngest ever player to score a goal for Celtic. Okay. Um, captain of Celtic, Callum McGregor, come through the ranks. Tony Ralston, Mikey Johnson, still with us. Kieran there's talk about another big money move for him. Tell us about some of the success stories and the satisfaction that brings you. Funny, I met Callum uh, last week. I was up at Lennoxdown and what's good about it is they come up, these players come over and don't forget you, you know, so Callum comes over and Callum's the most humble person you could ever meet. Really, and I know his mum and dad and um, and I always, you always used to say, and I said to Chris McCart as well, I said, you know, the biggest successes we get at Celtic are the ones who have been in the academy from a young age. So see the ones who are 8, 9, 10, 11, they come in and they come through the academy. You know, and all the players you talk about came through the academy at a young age, James Forrest, um, you know, they all come through, Stephen Welsh and all that. They've been there, so it's ingrained in them. The Celtic way is ingrained in them. Yeah, and they know what it means to play for Celtic. You know, it's no disrespect. So we would sign some players 15, 16, 17 years of age, but they don't really know how to you know what it is to play for Celtic because there's a there's a history there that 
you know, gives you strong emotions. Um, so these young players coming through, they were always driven, very humble. Would would never uh, walk past you in the corridor. Or that you know the ones that have made it, the Mickey Johnsons, the Auntie Auntie Nelson's incredible story. You know, Auntie went out and loaned to Queens Park at sixteen years of age because he couldn't get a game because uh, Sam Wardrobe was was in his position. Mikey Johnson, we nearly loaned Mikey Johnson out to East Kilbride um, before he hit the first team because he, we thought he was really good on Astro pitch. Um, and then Mikey Johnson kicked in. So uh, uh, sometimes timing's everything as well. Um, but all, the, all those players you mentioned, you know, they, they, they were just... Uh, they didn't get about like superstars. That was the thing, you know. They didn't flaunt it. They, they, they wouldn't get about saying, oh, look at me. As I say, they were humble. They keep their feet on the ground. Uh, and they were just great people. How difficult is it? <clears throat> as a fan, we hear sometimes about a player who we've not yet seen but they're maybe flying the nest, they're going to Bayern Munich, they're going down south. How tough is that for a club like Celtic? We're developing them to a stage and sometimes the vultures are coming in, Tommy, and taking them away. I think it's a big issue now in Scotland because of Brexit. Um, I think that, as you said, we've Celtic lost Liam Morrison, uh, Hepburn to Bayern Munich, uh, Josh Adams to Manchester City. So the kind of... The vultures are out there and they're, they're now picking, they're coming up. There's more and more scouts from down south now looking in, inside at Scotland to see and they're, they're taking players and they're taking them for, um, some people would deem a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money when you consider the finances these clubs have got. So I, I think there's, there's there's two things. There's one, the one we need to protect them. We need to make sure that, because these are young kids, these are these are being governed by, um, you know, if agents are, are saying, well, we can get you X, Y and Z. So we need to protect them. We need to make sure that um, they, they feel comfortable in an environment, you know, whether it's um, mum, dad, uh, whoever's responsible for them, they really look after them, make the right decisions for them, help them. Um, you know, and that, that's, that's a major factor as well. And the second thing would be, you need to create a pathway that they see that pathway at the first team because if there's no pathway there, then why? Why are they there? That's why you know you see years ago that that Brentford scrapped their academy, mm-hmm. and all they do is they just they just pick the rest of the best that's out there, and they just make a B team, and then but but listen, that's not to say that's that's their philosophy, but you need to make sure for young players that there is a pathway and there's a clear pathway through to the first team. You know, one of the best stories in Scottish football has been uh, the rise of Queen's Park over the last few years it's been incredible and I'm hoping it continues uh, you're part of that and some of the lazy narratives I've been looking at in the press have been that you know that here's a club that's throwing money left right and centre at it but actually when you look under a few layers you see that it's data driven it's youth development driven Tommy tell us a wee bit about what's happening in the background at Queen's Park well I um, funny when I left Celtic I, I took a few months off and, and, and I went to a lot of games and I was offered a couple of jobs down south. I've got a young family, so that was a, that was a non-starter for me. I was offered a couple of jobs with Premier League clubs up here. Again, I looked at that and I thought, no, I'm not sure about it. Um, and then when I, I spoke to the people at Queen's Park, I looked at the vision and it reminded me of, here's the reason why I've left the SFA to go to Celtic um, that there was something that that could be amazing that that, that it was starting that it was unique it was innovative um, and it blew me away absolutely blew me away and I thought you know I want to get involved in that that's something 
I think I could make a difference to. Um, and you can see, and it's this this train, and it's going at 100 mile an hour, and you know, it's starting to, there's a couple of ripples out there in the world because folk are starting to look at Queen's Park and see what they do. But we're sitting there in the top of the league and uh, there's, a, there's a couple of folk worried about it and I'm thinking, well, you know, that's good. Let's 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 kind of go and enjoy that. Um, but the vision was just incredible. Blew me away and I thought, you know, to come in the now, can be done, get the right people in, um, you know, get the right advisors in, uh, you're basically going from the amateur status to the professional status, which which can kind of take a little bit of time. So, so really, it's it's uh, something that's really excited me, and the folk have been absolutely brilliant, absolutely incredible. The the people that really want this to work and want and, and want it to be fruitful, um, because it is a long it's long term. It's not mm-hmm. short term. It's long term to develop young players. It takes a lot of time, energy, effort, um, but. I think it's shown in the past that if you do it right, then it's certainly worthwhile. You when I look at football, not just Scottish football, a lot of it's short termism, Tommy. So you're talking about a long term kind of goal. Do you think um, it could happen that there'll be a conveyor belt at Queen's Park that's producing players that are coming into the first team squad every season, every second season? Um, and if we just give it time, that could happen, and it could be a, a huge success in producing young talent. Yeah, I think it's. it's we need to be careful what you say when you see a conveyor belt of talent and that because that's as if you're churning out player after player after player after player um, and that's a difficult thing to do. I think um, you never know when you're kind of hot. You kind of get these hotbeds of talent. Um, so it's, it's one, it's recognising them. One, it's developing them. And, and then the third one is progress, making sure they get into the first team. The whether they get in there and they play 50, 60, 100 games, you then there's a value on them. Then you sell them on. You make it. You make money. Out of, you know, in terms of their the increase in value. But certainly for me, um, it's really important that from from the top down, and that's where I, the importance of the academy and the first team is really crucial, um, because you want to get your players into the, the the stage where they go and play in the first team. You want to be able to feed the manager with players, you know, you want to be able to, to select the young player for Canvas Lang that's come in, that's come through the ranks, you know, you want to see the homegrown successes because fans love that. People love to see homegrown talent coming through in a first team and playing. No matter where they come from, but see if they come from this area, people love that. You were talking there about you develop a player he moves on, it benefits the club, it feeds back, you know, funds back into the club. Over the last few years, we've seen a lot of players going to Italy. Tommy, what do you think the rise and in, in the, the migration of Scottish players going over to Italy, what do you think that's down to? Probably good recruitment from, from the Italians. Uh, funny, I was talking to Ewan Henderson yesterday, Ewan Henderson that plays with Hibs, and I had Ewan Celtic, and I also had his brother Liam, and Liam's in Italy playing with Empoli, and I was just asking him, um, how's his brother enjoying Italy? Because there was talk about him going to Italy as well, and, 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 and he's probably a good a good example of a young player going for Hibs over to Italy and then creating a new life for him over there. Um, I think it's a big ask. I know I know there's there's one or two went over there now, um, but I don't see it as being a mass exodus. Italy, I think if we can keep our homegrown talent, uh, then everybody benefits. The Scottish game benefits from it. Uh, the national team benefit from it. Um, so, listen, if young players go to Italy and do well, then good luck to them. I don't have any issues with that. Uh, for me, the most important thing is to try and develop our own home, homegrown talent here. 
from your final question for you, Tommy, but from your experience uh, over that period uh, dealing with young players in Scotland, how healthy are we at this moment in time with the players that are coming through that you're seeing? Well, I think it's testimony to the fact that the English clubs are up here trying to take the young players down. So um, we must be doing something right in Scotland. That's what I would say. Well, listen, uh, I hope you get promoted. Uh, I'd love to see you in the top division playing against Celtic and Rangers next season with Owen Coyle uh, at the helm as well, Tommy. And thank you for your time and thanks for joining us on a Celtic State of Mind. You're welcome. Thanks, Paul. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Network.